Hi, I'm Mickey, and I'm an alcoholic. Wow, this is something. I'd like to thank the committee and Pat for inviting me to speak, and and uh, Mickey has certainly been a gracious hostess, and uh, it's been a lot of fun thinking about coming here. She's told me about the snowstorms and the blizzards, and uh, <laughs> my Arizona friends, where it's in the 70s and sunshiny, uh, they've been telling me the weather report on a daily basis out here. <laughs> For about the last year, I didn't know what 10 was, you know. <laughs> In Arizona, when it's 80, we wear sweaters. So uh, I said, what do you do when it's 10? And they said, you throw a convention. What a great idea. <laughs> anyway, I'm really glad to be here and get to see a bunch of my buddies from different parts of the country. And that's that's one of the gifts of a convention. We get to meet up and see each other and celebrate the wonderful program of Alcoholics Anonymous, and it certainly changed my life. My sobriety date is July 16th of 1987, and uh, that's certainly the most important date of my life. That's when my life began. Um, I'm, I'm originally from the Deep South, and I'm here to tell you that we don't have alcoholics in the Deep South. <laughs> Especially Southern Louisiana. My mother moved to Arizona from Louisiana about eight years ago. When she came, she said, what's all this A&A business out in Arizona? And I said, oh, and she said, yeah. And she said, you know, we don't have alcoholics in Louisiana. And I said, oh, and she, I learned that from a sponsor. Oh, was such a great answer, you know. <laughs> and she said, yeah, she said, you know, in Louisiana, drinking's just a way of life. And that's what I knew. That's all I knew. And since this is being taped, I, I want to say that I'm a woman. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I'm tall, thin, blonde, <laughs> and 38. <laughs> that's just in case that tape gets anywhere. And, and for, and for those of you that are laughing about the 38, uh, I've already been in for an estimate, and uh, <laughs> I'm only eight grand from 35, so we're going to pass a special basket in this meeting to uh, see if we can get me there. I am from a, a small town in southern Louisiana, and... Um, um, I had my first drink at 14. I came from a very ticky-tacky family, and early on I knew I didn't want that. My father went to work every morning and and came home every night, and my mother stayed home and, you know, did all these ticky-tacky little things like make the beds every day and, you know, boring, boring, boring. And uh, I knew I didn't want any of that. Boy, I wanted some excitement in my life. I didn't want to be stuck at home, and I was the first one in the fam, first girl in the family that worked, and... You know, I was a, kind of the black sheep, and nobody told their, my mother didn't tell her friends I worked, but I did. And, you know, I wanted to get out there, and I wanted to stir stuff up at a very early age. And, and uh, I went to college, and um, I had pneumonia. And where that comes from is, in my family, we don't have a lot of drinkers. Uh, we don't have a lot of alcoholism. The reason everybody drinks in my family is because of arthritis. And, uh, 
all my mother's 13 sisters and brothers, all, they all had bad arthritis. And uh, by the time my generation came around, it was um, pneumonia. And uh, when I took that first drink at 14, it's like it solved all of my problems. It changed my entire life. It changed my perception of reality. I didn't know all that till I got in here into this beautiful program. But what it did for me was change my life. It was my solution to life. That's what the alcohol was for me, my solution. Because I didn't have good solutions. I was scared. I was full of fear. I had this God hole inside of me that, you know, it was just this big empty hole. It was full of fear, terror, insecurity. I learned when I got an AA that it was also full of self-centeredness and and selfishness and you know life was all about me and you guys weren't doing it right. I also learned in here that that I didn't have a God in my life, you know, and that's why I had that God hole. I didn't have a God in my life. I was it. And there's a line in the Big Book that says, first of all, we have to quit playing God." That means every one of us did that. You know, he didn't write that. They didn't write that sentence just for me. So, I mean, just look around this room and think, we all tried to play God. That's a lot of gods, and that's real scary <laughs> now that I'm sober. <laughs> anyway, I, I discovered that, that solution, alcohol, when I was about 14. And I didn't get to, to uh, really get into it until I ran away from home and went to college and I picked my college because it was the furthest one I could get away from home. And there I discovered Beer Bridge and Boys. And um, there certainly wasn't any time for for booze, I mean for, for um, books. And so what I did was I got kicked out of my first college. Um, they called it alcoholism. I called it um, religious trauma. And uh, <laughs> stuff going on there that I hadn't been involved with before. It's <laughs> cute little boys. Um, in fact, I, I, that's where I put God in the closet. I had one in my life, but I was really scared of him and fearful. And when I got to college, and um, I discovered French kissing, and I, and I have to go to—I'd go French kiss on Friday, go to confession on Saturday, you know, and have to stay awake all Friday night because I knew where I was going, you know. <laughs> Hell, limbo, and purgatory, and. Um, um, so I had to give up some of that, and anyway, uh, my uh, my family called it pneumonia, and they threw me in the hospital, and that was a pattern that developed in my life. Whenever I got in trouble, they threw me in uh, the hospital, and that way nobody knew what was really going on. I didn't have a clue as to what happened to me or what was going on in my life. Uh, I didn't know I was alcoholic. I discovered it quite accidentally. And, um, but it ruined my life, you know, and it caused so much pain and so much chaos. And, you know, I learned in AA that I wasn't a bad person, that I had a disease that was running my life. I like to refer to her as the dragon lady. As my sponsor early on said, there were two Mickeys, the real one and the dragon lady. Who's coming out to play? Who's coming out to play? Um, and when I got kicked out of college, I, I moved into men, money, and margaritas. Then I went to work, and <laughs> they became my gods. They really did. And if any of those three things had worked for me, I wouldn't be here tonight. 
and the, the, all the rage and the terror and the fear, it, it's like no matter what I had, it's like it was always there. And the only thing that was, the only solution I had was that alcohol. It put that fear out. It put that insecurity out. It put out that loneliness. Um, and so it became my best friend. And, uh, you know, behind that alcohol, it didn't, it didn't solve the problems. It was still there. Uh, and the rage built. And I was, I was really into the rage. And um, when I was in my 20s, I was married to a Green Bay Packer. And he weighed 280, and I weighed 107 at the time. And, and one night I was sharing my experience, strength, and hope with him. And, uh, and I really love this husband. Um, and um, he didn't see things quite my way. And, and so I stabbed him 22 times. And, uh, you know, that's a lot of rage to get to by the time you're in your 20s. So you can imagine how it was by the time I got here. Uh, it was a miracle I could find anybody to sponsor me. Uh, and like I said, I really loved him. And, and uh, you know, they put him in the hospital and threw me in the hospital with pneumonia. And, uh, and then like all good alcoholic marriages, we kissed and made up and went home and never talked about it again. And, um, you know, that's just the way I lived. And that was really tragic, you know. And, and uh, he died. I didn't kill him. Uh, I forgot to say that one night, and people lined up wanting to know what happened after I killed my husband. But I, I didn't kill him. He died at 35 of alcoholic pancreatitis. You know, we didn't have a clue. We didn't have a clue that we had, that I had this deadly disease, and so did he. And um, so, anyway, I got kicked out of college, and I started in. You know, if this man didn't do it my way, out. And if they didn't, I didn't understand when I came to AA about hiding drinks. You know, <laughs> my husband didn't like it. He could take it down the road. You can always get another husband, right? And. Um, I didn't hide anything. If I was big enough to do it, I was big enough to admit to it. And if you didn't like it, you're out of here. And that's how I did life. And that's all I knew. I, towards the, um, the end of my drinking, I got... Um, I thought I was crazy. I, I started thinking, well, you know, maybe all these people are telling me I'm crazy. Maybe they're right. And I didn't know what to do. And so one night... I had quit drinking before coming to the program because it was costing me too much money. And so I really needed that money because I needed... I was always looking for a spiritual solution. I mean, I was always looking for a material solution to a spiritual problem. And, I mean, I live in the desert. I have six furs. <laughs> you know, i got to go out... i got to come to some place like this to wear one, you know. And, uh, but it was always more and more and more... The, you know, the cars, the boats, the house, the this, the that. The more of that I could get, and it was a temporary fix because of that soul sickness I had, that empty God hole. And um, so I, I didn't know I was alcoholic. I didn't know what was wrong. And one night I was sitting in my big, beautiful house with my old boy. I wasn't in a relationship. And... Uh, I decided, and I was cold sober, 
And I decided, I looked at my little boy and I thought, you know, he'd be better off without me. And I decided that if this is life, I don't want to play the game. And I didn't. I didn't want to play the game. And that was my bottom. I was going to check it out sober. I did all the suicides, you know, as a young girl or, you know, my teens and 20s and all that, where, you know, you cut your wrist to get the boy back, you know, or you've really blown it this time out drinking. And so you got to do something dramatic to get them to forget what you did. And, and I did all those drinking. But this suicide was, it was, it was sober. And I couldn't stand the pain anymore because I couldn't stay drunk all the time. You know, the drink and help put that, put that fire out. But then I'd have to get up and I, I had to look at me in the mirror. And it got so bad, I couldn't do that anymore. I couldn't stand to look at me in the mirror. Um, I, as I said earlier, I, I'd gone through a number of, of men and um, the, you know, I kept thinking that would fix it. You know, in fact, Liz Taylor and I are running a close race. Um, <laughs> her last one was a construction worker, too, and I almost wrote her a letter and said, that's not going to work. <laughs> and, but I did find a solution, and it's this magic deal called Alcoholics Anonymous. When um, I was getting ready to check out, and my telephone rang. And it was a friend of mine, and her kid um, had been, her husband kicked her kid out for uh, using drugs, and she asked me if I could help her kid. And I thought, well, what the heck? I'll help the kid, and then I'll kill myself. And so here comes this little 18-year-old drug addict. I know nothing about drugs. I'm a pure alcoholic. And uh, so I ran around trying to find him help. And I finally found this guy that, that uh, had a... Was he 25 years in AA, and he had a little program going on. And I went in and tried to tell his doctor that if he just give this kid Ritalin, which I now know is speed, uh, <laughs> he wouldn't have to do all these street drugs, and we wouldn't have all these problems. And the kid's just hyperactive. And and the the guy um, said, "Well, no, we won't give him anything until he goes through this little program." And uh, the program was heavy-duty AA. It was five solid weeks of heavy-duty AA. And the doc said, and why don't you come with him? Yeah. Why don't I come with him? As his significant other. And I thought, well, it's only five weeks. I'll go there, and then I'll kill myself. I'll go. <laughs> so I went into this place, and it was, um, it was a lot of macho guys, and I like that. And um, there were only two girls, and the rest of them were guys. And I started learning about this disease. I started learning about alcoholism. And, uh, oh, my gosh, suddenly I had the answer, you know, to what was wrong with me. Because I heard these macho guys talking about what was going on inside of them. And through all these husbands, nobody knew me. You know, I didn't know me either. But nobody knew me. I never let anybody know me. You know, I wore the, I thought I was a loner. You know, that's really painful. You know, today I've got people in my life that know everything about me. And not only that, anybody can know anything that's going on in my life because I don't have all those secrets. I don't have all that stuff that I drank over going on in my life today. You know, it's, it's all so different. So um, 
anyway, I stuck around there and learned about the disease, and and uh, and I got a little hope. You know, they seemed to have some hope. And then I saw that step that says, return us to sanity, and I thought, ah, that means they must be inferring we're a little insane, and they seem to have a solution for that, and so that's better than crazy. So maybe I'll try this magic deal uh, for a little bit. And about the only thing I had when I came in here was a sense of fairness. I had a terrible attitude, really bad attitude. It's like I finally hear something, get a tiny bit of hope, and I think, okay, I'll give them five weeks to fix me. <laughs> five weeks was kind of a number with me. And uh, so I was going to give them five weeks to fix me, but this fairness I had was in order to prove that Alcoholics Anonymous would not work, I had to do everything they told me for five weeks. I mean, they did some really dumb stuff in here. You know, that's what I thought when I came in. And, of course, after reading the book, I knew I could change it and improve on it immediately, just like that. You know, I did the steps in 30 minutes off the wall. <laughs> Didn't feel a thing, you know. <laughs> I wasn't powerless. Heck, if it doesn't work, shoot it. You know, we all know that. You know, character defects, not me. I'm perfect. It was everybody else's fault. That's why I drank. I could, I could list, boy, every husband. I sat down to do that inventory, their inventory. You know, I knew everything that was wrong with that. They really needed this. In fact, I went out and bought 150 big books immediately and sent them to 150 of my most intimate friends around the <laughs> country. Uh, oh, my gosh. Like I said, I, I tell you, I had such a bad attitude, and I didn't believe in any of this, and I've never done anything in my life that when I've got a bad attitude that it works. I couldn't believe it. So I started doing all this stuff. You know, stand up at meetings the first 30 days. Hi, I'm Mickey O'Connor. I'm an alcoholic. Oh, man. You know, go to a meeting every day. I mean, they didn't know how busy I was. You know, I mean, I got a kid to raise, a business to run, yada, yada. And um, they want me to go sit in those things. And I couldn't relate. You know, they were talking about blackouts. I never had a blackout. I mean, I had a bad memory. You know, I've always had a bad memory. And pass out, not me. I'm a lady. We don't pass out. But I did go to sleep wherever I wanted, when I wanted, no matter where I was. You know, that made a lot of sense to me. And I did everything I could to prove you wrong and everything I could to make fun of you. And, and you know, I remember going one night, you know, they were saying, get those tacky little chips. You know, they don't even have any class. You know, they're little plastic tacky chips. And I had to go up there, you know, and I came home after getting that 30-day chip. And I asked my sponsor, I said, what are they going to do next? Put a star on my forehead for being a good girl, you know. The one good thing they tell me, because I was a terrible insomniac, uh, they told me to read that big book every night. Oh, my gosh. That was the most boring thing I'd ever tried. Three pages in that big book, and I was asleep at night. So I, I did find a cure for insomnia. Yeah. Today I have to be really careful because I can get in that big book, and I get so excited, and, and I'll look up, and it's four in the morning. So those, those things do change. And then they want to talk to me about God. I hated them if he was a... I mean... He had to be a rat if there was one, you know, and, and sponsorship is so critical. 
that's that's one of the most critical things in my sobriety. And I've had some incredible teachers in my life. And one of them's here tonight, the guru from Cleveland. <laughs> the Mr. Cassini. You know, they're really great in a lot of ways. And I didn't even want to use a sponsor, and I didn't want to call them. I hated to do that. And I figured every time I'd get ready to call, they'd be having dinner. So I shouldn't call then, you know. And then later in the evening, uh, I'd wait. And then uh, i figure, oh, well, they'll probably snuggle up with their wife or something, you know, so don't call then. And I couldn't do the tiniest little disciplines, you know. And I've learned in AA that we are an undisciplined lot. And those tiny tiny little disciplines have saved my life. I, I, when they told me I had cancer, I didn't, but they told me I did, and I went into la-la land over it. You know, I picked up that phone, and it wasn't because I thought to pick it up. It was because I was in the habit of doing it. Those little habits have saved my life many, many times over the years. And uh, the sponsors are all, also good because... Uh, and I really cherish the, the value of sponsorship today more than ever. You know, I started out not wanting to talk to them, and now it's like I always talk to them. I've learned through pain and trial and error that it's oftentimes better to call them before I do something. <laughs> there are, they've always been gracious enough to get my tail out of a crack when I do it without saying it, but it's, it's, my life has changed because if I talk before... Another thing is I, I work with a lot of alcoholics and sponsor them, and, um, and you can call your sponsor, say, what do I do about this? Uh, I just did this to, to uh, Don Cassini the other day, and I, write, I mean, I do it all the time to him, but I wrote down exactly what he said, and then I go tell one of mine, you know, and then you can blame him, and it takes the heat off, <laughs> you know. If the Don's talking, it makes it okay, and... Don Cassini's afraid to come to Arizona now because <laughs> he gets all the credit for that. Um, I started out, like I said, trying to prove him wrong, you know, and this beautiful deal worked when I didn't believe in it. And I started out with a prayer. They told me I had to pray every morning. I said, huh, fine. I don't want to pray. I hate God. They said, honey, it doesn't matter how you feel. Just pray. I don't care how I feel about it. I don't care what my attitude is. The attitude's not in the big book. They just want you to take the action. So I said this prayer. Okay, God, if you're really there, here's this blankety-bank prayer they said I had to say to your... It was ugly prayer. <laughs> and I said, so there. That's how I prayed, and that's the best I could do. And, you know, the sponsors... They, uh, I'm accountable today. I have to be accountable to them. And um, sponsor called up one day and said, you've been praying? And I said, yeah, just stuck that jaw right out. Because I knew he was going to throw me away anyway. Everybody else had. And uh, he said, what you been saying? And I told him. <laughs> exactly what I've been saying. <laughs> and uh, he said, Okay. I said, okay, what do you mean okay? And he said, it's okay with me and it's okay with God. Just keep doing it every morning, every morning. You know, and since then, and through practicing the beautiful steps in my life and the principles of this program, I've got my own God, you know, and that I love. He's my best friend. He's my business partner. I take him everywhere with me. And I didn't even know I could have that. 
You know, and that's what this thing is. That's what this program's given me. That's what these sponsors that have been down the road, they can teach me, you know. I always feel like I'm a little rat in a maze, you know. And I, and I turn right and hit my head on the wall, and I turn left, you know. And the sponsor's the one looking down in the rat maze going, turn left, you know, that's the way out. And but then I, since I've been running my own show and, and being God in my life and everybody else I could try to, to strong arm that way, it wasn't an easy task. And they got me into the steps right away. You know, our beautiful book says, if you want what we got, here are the steps we took. So if you want sobriety, you need to get into action. And here are the steps, a program of recovery. You know, I'm so grateful that I, I mean, I hated women, so I didn't get a woman sponsor. And uh, I, I got some tough old timers that are in your face. And I've had that all through my sobriety. They aren't afraid to tell me anything, and it's somebody I can... My sponsors, I've never been able to manipulate. And, uh, of course, I thought that in the beginning, because we women know. <laughs> <laughs> we know what happens when we need a fix from a man, you know. I mean, I just play that little game, but not mine, boy, I'll tell you. Uh, they were in-your-face sponsorship, and, uh, and they got me in the steps right away in this program. And they explained to me about powerlessness. I didn't know. I thought powerlessness was after I drank. I didn't know that if I swear that I'm never going to drink again, which I probably did 5,000 times, that I am. If I don't do something to change something, if I don't take those gentle, loving steps, I'm going to drink again. It's that simple. And I've seen it happen over and over and over since I've been sober. Um, and I had, to, I had to be taught. I've been taught everything, um, and I didn't know I didn't know how to talk. Our steps to me are communication. I didn't know how to communicate. I mean, I knew how to say it's my way or the highway, or I'm getting a divorce, but I, I didn't know how to talk to people. And uh, I was shown that our steps are a, a communication with God, a communication with myself and a communication with others. That's what they all boil down to. You know, I was so delusional. I don't know how many times when I was out there that I'd say, you know, tonight I'm just going to have two drinks. I believe my own lies. You know, if I'm lying to you, you're supposed to believe it. But when I'm lying to me and believing it, that's really scary. You know, and I made all these decisions based on emotion rather than fact. And boy, I'll tell you, the last thing I want to do today, when I get, I call it emotional left field, I get out in emotional left field, I don't want to buy anything, do anything, open my mouth, because it's always painful. And I have the magic formula of step 10 to get me back to home base. That's one, it's, this program is so powerful. I have, I have, um, I have a way to make good, solid decisions based on truth. I never had that. I made decisions all the time. They were based on emotion, you know, and that never worked, and it was painful. I don't have to do that today. You know, I can't imagine not having this beautiful program. You know, and, and um, step two, that was a big one for me, too, because my problem was my way wasn't working, but I didn't want to listen to you, so where do I go with that? You know, where do I go? And then the fourth step, that was a real powerful one. 
I see people go out in this program, and we call it baseball. They do one, two, three, and you're out. Either that or they go through all the steps, and they don't stay current on a daily basis with steps 10, 11, and 12. It's, it's, it seems like a real dividing part. And, um, you know, when I saw that fourth step and what was on there, I couldn't believe how powerful that was. And I don't know why. I mean, it was all in my head. But I couldn't see it till I got it on that paper. You know, when they wrote that book, they said, in dealing with resentments, set them on paper. Now and for the rest of my life, that's what I have to do. And um, I, I just, I had not a clue. I had not a clue. But today I can, if something happens, I've got the steps, I've got the formula of the steps. It's like an example of 10 for me. I, I, um, I used to, in the old days, I had cable and I was paying 75 bucks a month for that those pay things and I'd come home from work there wouldn't be anything good on I'm not paying $75 for that call them up cut it off you know two days later you know I work really hard I deserve cable turn it on I mean I was like that leaf blowing it turn it off turn it on you know and I did an inventory on it I got a little index card out, and I wrote down every pay channel. I tried the program on it. What a concept. I, I wrote down every channel that I was paying for. And for 30 days, every time I watched one, I made a mark. And at the end of 30 days, I had a fact-finding, fact-facing, fearless, written list about cable. It was real simple. And I looked at it, and I'd watch two movies and fall asleep during one. Now, it's my money, right? So if I want to pay $75 for two movies and not even get kissed, I can do that. It's my, <laughs> it's my money. You know? And I paid enough reconnect charges. I should own stock and cable. And so <laughs> I looked at it and I decided, no, it's my money. And I don't want to pay that. And so I called him up and I said... This time I really mean it, you know. And because of these skills I've been taught in this program, I, I haven't had to turn it back on for years. You know, that's good. That saved me lots of money. Saved me lots of money. I have a formula that can show me the facts that I don't have to make decisions based on emotion. And I did it all my life. You know, and as a result of doing those kind of things, my... I used to be a drama queen. I was three years sober before they let me pass the crown for being a drama queen <laughs> to one I sponsored. <laughs> and so, you know, my life was up and down, up and down, all over the board, you know, and now it's like a gentle ripple. It's really incredible. And all those voices I used to hear at night, I don't know if anybody here ever hears those voices, the yada yadas, the dragon lady or the dragon. It always happens when to me when uh, when I lay my head on the pillow at night it used to happen this voice no matter how tired I was here it comes you know and I'd screech somebody out and I'd lay down in bed and at night and put my head on that pillow and two things would happen when I yelled at somebody and I was good one of my husbands said being married to me was like being married to a Philadelphia lawyer he uh, he didn't win an argument in 20 years and I <laughs> Anyway, I'd lay my head on that pillow at night, and two things would happen. 
either it'd be like, doggone, I forgot to tell them that too. Or, oh, I really hit below the belt on that one. I'm in big trouble tomorrow. You know, that, you know, and I learned, I learned through this program to me. I think I had um, spiritual awakening of the educational variety, the slow one. And I remember, I remember telling my sponsor that I think I had a brain flip. And he said, oh. in a program we call that a spiritual awakening. And uh, it showed me, you know, like the side of the disease of alcoholism, the dishonesty, the sloth, the, all the ugliness. And the other side was honesty and other-centered and, and all the good things. And I didn't want to be honest when I was in here. I mean, maybe in a, a some of the time, but everybody knows if you're honest in business, you're a fool. And I had to fight to do that. I had to fight to practice those principles. You know, and they started paying off. I couldn't believe it. Again, something I didn't believe in started paying off, and my life started changing. And my son would, um, my son and I would get it on every night. I'd come home from work. It was on by the time I hit the kitchen. I'd screech him out. Then they tell me, okay, you did it. You got to go write a 10, go make an amend to this little brat that never made him back, you know? <laughs> and, it, and, you know, every day he wouldn't empty the trash and I'd come home and I just knew he was out to get me. You know, I'd get, he didn't empty the trash one more time. He's out to get me. I'm going crazy. You know, I'm going to lose my job. I can't work like this. I'm all upset. We're going to be living in the street. That's where my head took me. That's where it went. I can't imagine drinking again and getting all that back. So what I would do is I'd screech him out. I'd ground him till he was 40. Then I'd go in my room. I'd write out this 10. I'd see all my character defects. And that 10 changed something. Writing that out changed something inside of me. You know, it got me connected again. Then I had to go make an amend to this kid who never made him back. And I'll tell you what, I had a really fast mouth. And my first couple of years, because I was very, very angry... Uh, I was a rager when I came in, and I did two or three written tens a day my first two years in this program. And I, I stuck to them pretty religiously. And um, and it finally dawned on me, if I keep my big mouth shut, I don't have to make amends to this kid. You know, and, and but it's, it's practice and it's progress. Um, and so I'd come in from work, there he'd be in the kitchen, it's on. I virtually put my hand over my mouth, ran into the bedroom. I'm yelling through my own fingers, you know, and I'd still have to make amends for that. But I was trying, locked myself in there, right at 10. Finally, I got to where I could say, excuse me, I think you need to, to um, see or have time to see what I was talking about. You didn't quite understand what I said. So I'm going to give you some time to think about it. I'm going to my room. Then I'd get in there. The rage was still inside, but at least I wasn't acting out on it. Write that ten, and it changed the way I felt inside. You know, and so it's progress. It's progress, not perfection. And progress takes time, and it took a lot of time for me. And it wasn't that this program is difficult. It's very, very simple. What's difficult is me surrendering to it. I, was, I mean, I was a my way or the highway girl all of my life. 
you know, and it wasn't easy to to give in to that. It wasn't easy to believe in a God that I cherish today, you know, to keep doing those things. But as I practiced and practiced and practiced and it started paying off, what I didn't believe in started paying off. You know, I started wanting to do it more. And then finally the day came when I realized I'm living more on the God side of the page than the self-will side of the page. And again, that's through strong sponsorship in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. Because I couldn't have figured it out myself, that's for sure. I had... um, Oh, I lost my train of thought. That happens a lot. They said it'll go away, but they lie. <laughs> I get to thinking about sponsorship, and I go on a whole other another trip here because it, they've certainly made a. Prince in my life, as have the steps, and um, I just can't imagine not having either of those in my life today because it's a privilege. It's a privilege and an honor to have that for me. And I could have missed it all. And I don't ever want to forget that pain. And, you know, they say that working with newcomers, and I work with a lot of newcomers, that it helps us, you know, and and it's so powerful. Uh, I can look in their eyes, and I can see that same pain, and I can see that terror, and I can see that need for that drink to put that out. You know, and I also know from my experience it doesn't go out. That pain doesn't go away. It's always there. As a result of the steps and emptying that bag of garbage that I was carrying, you know, I could look myself in the mirror and I liked what I saw. You know, and I could carry myself with dignity and respect that this program gave me. And I could look anybody in the eye. And I didn't have that before I came in. I'd gotten so bad I couldn't even buy clothes because I didn't want to look at me in the mirror. I hated what I saw. You know, today my life is happy, joyous, and free. And the book promises that, and I figured if it's not, I'm out of here. I don't, you know, I'm not in a relationship right now, so I'm not doing this magic deal because of a man. My son's grown. I'm not doing it to keep the kids. And I own my own business, so I'm not doing it to keep the job. I'm doing it because I love this magic deal called Alcoholics Anonymous. And I used to live in the land of someday I'll. You know, someday I'll be happy. Someday I'll get that man that'll make me happy because all women know if the rocks in his head don't fit the holes in ours at any match. You know, (laughs) they gotta be home. Someday I'll get that house. Someday I'll get that fur. You know, and it's so exciting. I was thinking about this the other day. I love everything that's in my life right now. You know, and I'm not afraid today. And I know that no matter what happens to me today, I'm only 20 minutes away from a solution. I'm only a phone call away from a solution. And our little third step prayer that says, take away our difficulties. I thought about that a lot too. And I don't have difficulties today. You know, there's death, there's illness, there's... um, money stuff going on, there's business stuff going on, but it's not difficult to me. It's not so difficult because I'm not alone. And my sponsor told me when I was new, he said, you never have to be alone again. And I haven't been. 
in over 14 years, I've never been alone. And I was alone, like I said earlier. I also have made the mistake, if anybody in here is new tonight, for goodness sakes, um, don't, uh, don't ever tell your sponsor you're a people pleaser. <laughs> Whoa, what a mistake that was. My sponsor said, people pleaser, people pleaser, what on earth are you talking about? He said, that, we call that selfish and self-centered and alcoholics anonymous. He said, when did you ever try to please anybody where there wasn't something in it for you? You know, and there wasn't. I never tried to please a stranger on the street. You know, I tried to please my husband to get those fur coats. That was important. <laughs> tried to please the kids so they wouldn't embarrass me. You know, there was always something inside. There was always something in it for me. And it's so freeing to not have to live that way again. And I mean, it's, you know, those things, they can still crop up and it's like, I learned from Chuck Chamberlain because I had about a year and a half sober. I thought, well, I'm doing something wrong. I still got all these character defects I came in here with. And Chuck taught me at 33 years sober that he still had all his character defects. They don't just don't get out in the same over the same things all the time. They don't get out as often. You know, we don't have to ruin other people's lives over them. You know, I still get angry on occasion, and but I have a solution. You know, and I have a loving God in my life, and and um, to be sponsored and to get to sponsor, wow, what a deal! You know, there's no there's no high I ever had in my life as getting to see the lights come on in some little newcomer that's sitting there where I was a few years ago. That's so scared and so frightened and so full of fear. You know what a privilege we have. You know, and this is serious business. We play hard in Arizona. You know, we do AA hard. We're very serious about both. You know, I didn't Smokers Anonymous where you slip and, and uh, have a cigarette. Here our people die. And this is the holiday season where we lose so many. You know, and so I know I've been taught to get out there, grab as many of those people as you can. Stick that hand out. Somebody was always here for me. In the early days, my sponsor had a, um, he had a beeper. You know, when I needed help, I needed it now or there'd be dead bodies somewhere. And so, I don't know, it's been the greatest ride of my life and I can't imagine living without it. Um, the steps are designed for living for me. I try to stick by those principles. And the traditions, I'm, I'm really into that and uh, try to stick up for those, you know, because that's what keeps us all together. I had a friend write a, or do a workshop one time on the traditions and, and it was on the traditions and relationships for men and women. And I said, why didn't you do them on the steps? And she said, the steps heal the individual. And she said, if those traditions can keep all alcoholics in the world together, they ought to be able to keep two alcoholics together in a relationship. There's a lot of wisdom out there and there's a lot of teachers. Take advantage of it. You know, how much of this magic deal do you want? That much, that much, or do you want it all? You know, I know for me, when I was first here, I, I thought, man, I want to get that banana. You know, and just as soon as I got that banana, I learned there's a whole bunch out there. You know, so there's more and more and more. 
I've never had anything that's kept my attention for this long. You know. <laughs> I've stuck with this for about 14 and a half years, and uh, I'm still learning. And every day I learn, life keeps getting better. And I always laugh at my birthday. There's one guy that comes up and say, oh, I remember on my second birthday, oh, that second year is going to be rough. Oh, that third year is going to be tough. All that. Every year I hear that, and it's like, wait a minute, it, that doesn't, not how it has to be. You know, it just keeps getting better for me. It just keeps getting better. And that big book I was saying earlier that, you know, when I read it today and apply it to what's going on in my life today, it's got a whole different meaning than it did when I was new. It just keeps getting better. So I thank you for having me share and having me here in Columbus. And uh, it's been fun. Thanks.